I think to me poetry is a way to capture a sense of wonder. It's a way to blend thought and feeling together to make a single language. And I think it's important to bring these elements to bear on ourselves and on the world around us. Hello, and welcome to part two of The Triple Effect. In this part, we travel to the desert, dip our tone to cryptocurrencies, unravel globe-spanning networks, and much more. And yes, indeed, it is still a poetry podcast. You're listening to chapter eight, Amy. Capturing a sense of wonder, I couldn't agree more. Amy is one of my favorite poets. She lives in the desert and the imagery of that magical place shows in her work. To me, it's very exotic and I like it very much. I asked her what she thinks about writing poetry and what that means to her. You already heard some of it at the beginning of this episode and here's what more she has to say. It's easy to walk past a tree and say, oh nice, a tree, and walk on if we even see it at all. But if I stop and look at the tree and find the words to express what I see and hear and feel in the tree, I'm far more likely to return to that sense of wonder. And poetry allows me to both capture that vision and then to communicate it to others. If there's one thing I learned from writing a poem each day back in 2012, is that it's really cool to look at a tree and wonder about it. Anyway, one of the things I like very much about Amy's work is how she plays with different forms. So of course, I asked her about that too. I look at poetry as living in a wide area between music and prose writing. At one end, we have prose poetry, and at the other end, we have lyrics that are actually written for music. And the area in between those is enormous. It encompasses a huge range from free form to very strict form structures. I think it's useful to remember that much poetry throughout human history has been form poetry of one sort or another. One of the reasons for this is that poetry generally predates the written word, and it's easier to remember and share words if there is some form to them. Meter and rhyme and counted syllables and repeating lines or phrases all make it easier to remember a poem. It's an extremely effective way of crafting both words and memory. So, not surprisingly, form poetry ranks as a very basic part of human creative expression in many cultures. It often predates the written word, and it can exist entirely without it. And whether it was originally written or recited, some of the most sophisticated literary work in human history has been written in tightly controlled poetic forms. Some of these works were handed down orally, others were written by hand or printed in books. This way of crafting words transcends time and material and technique, and I feel it is part of humanity's drive to organize our thoughts and words. When I write form poetry, I feel that I'm participating in this vast tradition of human expression through the ages. It's timeless, even if the various forms come and go. As for the process, it's fun, like a puzzle. I find that once I've begun using a particular form repeatedly, my thoughts tend to fit themselves into that particular meter or rhyme scheme or word count. My brain accepts the demands of the puzzle and keeps playing with it. Oh, how I agree with Amy here. When I'm outside finding inspiration and the words start flowing, they almost by themselves take the shape of the tritripicata poem I've been using so much lately. When they don't, I know I have to take extra care. It's like finding something glistening in the sand and carefully working to uncover what kind of treasure is hiding there. Anyway, back to Amy. 
Different forms are useful for different purposes, of course, but it's also fun sometimes to play with some contrast. Use a solemn form for a bit of lightheartedness, or try to fit a deep thought or feeling into a few brief lines. On Instagram, I follow a poet who creates haiku to express physics axioms. They are strict 575 haiku, and they're often delightful. But using a well-tested form for its original purpose is highly satisfying, too, like using a well-designed, perfectly honed tool. The sonnet's 14 lines are just long enough to allow imagery and philosophy to be brought together. Haiku is arranged to create a momentary glimpse of a larger world. Yes, haiku and sonnets, sonnets especially. Amy has a couple of those that are odes to rather ordinary things. So what is it that makes them such good subjects for poetry, these ordinary things? I started those odes more or less accidentally. I wrote a sonnet to yarn one morning, and I thoroughly enjoyed both the process and the effect. It's one of those cases of using a very formal, very well-known structure for something entirely outside its usual subject matter. I've kept writing them because it continues to express something about my deep delight in ordinary things, the things daily life is actually made of. I'm sure these pieces were influenced by the odes of Pablo Neruda, though I didn't set about deliberately to follow in his steps. But I love his way of looking at common things, things that seldom get a place in the universe that is poetry. He knew that the common things belong there too, because they are a part of human experience, they need to have their place in poetry. And doing this in sonnet form, that is just for the fun of it. Writing sonnets makes me happy, especially writing Spenserian sonnets. It's a wonderful sensation to feel the flow of the words and the crisp, beautiful falling in of the rhymes as I work. Obviously, I'm very grateful that a poet of Amy's caliber has also worked with the tritriplicata form I created. She also has some thoughts about that. I've been excited to work with the tritriplicata because I feel that its five lines are just right to express a complete thought or image. Just enough, no more. That sense of scale is another wonderful aspect of using various poetic forms. I also think the tritriplicata has a lot of possibilities in terms of texture, with the flow from brief lines to a single long line and back. I don't feel I've really begun to tap that possibility yet, as I've focused more on other aspects. It just shows there is a lot of potential in a lot of different directions. Potential and direction. Oh, absolutely. And it's especially clear when you hear this tritriplicata that Amy has written, and will read to you herself. Entry of a storm. Wind rising. The dog asks me to check while clash of a loose fence panel bangs against wood, then quiet. Rain falls here. Haiku, sonnets, tritriplicata poems, but is there a form that Amy likes most of all? I love many different kinds of poetry, but I would like to put in a good word for narrative poetry. I love good narrative poetry, the kind that tells a story and takes its time in the telling. This is, after all, a very ancient form, one which has given us some of the most treasured masterworks of literature. The ancient world gave us the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Iliad and the Odyssey. Medieval scribes preserved the tale of Beowulf from Old English, the medieval epics, and so on. And those, these are often told in prose translations nowadays, they were each originally works of poetry. The 19th century poets still used it extensively, hence we have long novelesque narrative poems by Sir Walter Scott and longer and shorter ones from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I grew up on those poems. More recently, J.R.R. Tolkien created narrative poetry, both original and translations. 
As a child, I already loved this form. I don't know whether it's an acquired taste or simply one that a person either has or doesn't have. Personally, I feel the narrative element to be important in poetry. I like to include hints of narrative, even in my more descriptive poems. Someday I'd like to do more storytelling poems, though. Last month I wrote a retelling of the old Norse tale of the god Baldr, and it woke that thrill of storytelling poetry once again. Storytelling! I love it! This was the story of Amy, one of my favorite poets. You can find more of her work in her newsletter ACM Weekly at achristinemeyers.substack.com. She also recently has published her first collection, A Hillside Diary, that you should try and find on Amazon. I will put links to both of them in the show notes of this show that you can find in Anchor, on Spotify, and in our newsletter at tripleeffect.substack.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.